You are listening to Meet the Thriller Author, the podcast where I interview mystery and thriller authors. My name is Alan Peterson, and this is episode number 185. In this episode, we'll be meeting veteran and author A.M. Adair. A.M. writes action-packed thrillers, and the third book in the L. Anderson series, Shadow War, was published in March. It's available now on Amazon and all the other bookselling sites, so go check it out. Uh, before we get to, to the interview, I wanted to let you know about a great deal from Deposit Photos. When it comes to uh, stock photos, you want royalty-free access to an absolutely massive library of high-quality images, which is available on Deposit Photos. It's my go-to place for finding uh, stock images for my social media posts, my Facebook ads, website. All of the time that I need a quality stock image, I just go to Deposit Photo. Uh, Deposit Photo and AppSumo have teamed up once again. Uh, to offer their famous and amazing deal. We can get 100 stock photo and vector images, downloads of any size that never expire. You can download that image today or three years from now. It's going to be fine. It's going to work just perfectly. And now they're also offering an unlimited stacking. So if you need more than 100 images, go for it. You can buy 200, 500, 1,000 images or more. It's an amazing deal. And it starts just at $39 for 100 royalty-free images. And remember, they have over 195 million-plus images. So... There'll be plenty of choices for you uh, to bring to life your uh, ebook, your blog, your website, social media, emails, uh, whatever you need uh, royalty images for. Deposit Photos will have cool images for you. And this is also really cool. Uh, this time, your purchase uh, supports a good cause. Right now, uh, 10% of AppSumo's proceeds will go to the relief efforts in Ukraine. So you can check out this deal and learn more about that and about the amazing deal uh, by visiting at uh, thrillingweeds.com forward slash stock. All right, here is my interview with A.M. Adair. Hey, everybody, this is Alan with Meet the Thriller Author. And on the podcast today, I have A.M. Adair, who is an active duty uh, chief warrant officer in the United States Navy with over 20 years in the intelligence community. She's a lifelong fan of the thriller genre. And she writes the L. Anderson novels, which is an action-packed military espionage thriller series. The third book in that series, Shadow War, was published on March 7th. Welcome to the podcast, Emma. Thank you so much for having me. So uh, it's kind of cool. I've, I've had the pleasure of interviewing many veterans who began writing and publishing books after they retired. But you're the, <laughs> you're, you're the first active duty person on the podcast. So thank you so much for taking time to talk to us. <laughs> My pleasure. And uh, can you tell us a little bit about uh, so Tell us a little, a little bit of what you could tell us about your military career so far. And I'm also very curious. Uh, did you have to like get special permission or did they leave your personal life alone? <laughs> <laughs> Well, uh, you, you don't have much of a personal life when it comes to being in the military. Um, so I, as you said, uh, it's been over 20 years now. I'm actually going to be retiring on October 1st at a little over 21 years of service. And my entire career has been in the intelligence community. It has been really, really interesting. It's like to say it's been an adventure would be a bit of an understatement. So it, it does kind of dovetail perfectly that thrillers are my thing. And that's the genre of choice for not only what I read, but what I write. Just my experiences real world have created so many avenues for my imagination to just go crazy and to have a field day. And so uh, being able to put pen to paper, so to speak, has been 
know, not just a great creative outlet, but therapeutic in a lot of ways. I think that's so cool right now with all the military thrillers out there um, are <laughs> mostly written by actual veterans nowadays. So that's how it's like, social realism. It does. It's like, and you can always tell when you, you pick up a book and you, there are people who are brilliant when it comes to research, but there's always the little details that jump off the page at you when you know somebody's actually been there, done that, you know, that just demeanor, mannerisms, you know, choice of verbiage is like the, those, the details are really what sets things apart for somebody who's actually got the real world experience. And it does add another element to the story. So are you planning now, uh, uh, once, once you retire, are you planning to then focus on, uh, on the, on the writing full time or is that going to be your second career? That's what I would like to do. I'm very much uh, pursuing that angle. I, I'm still a bit of a realist and, you know, understand that, it might not happen. So I'm going to keep writing one way or the other, whether or not that'll be something I'll be able to do as a full-time job. Uh, we'll see. Um, but it's something I enjoy and it's not something I'm ever going to give up. And so you're at the buyer's state. We talked about it a little bit here. Uh, you've been a lifelong fan of the genre. So I'm kind of curious, what were some of the early books that got you hooked? Truthfully, I, I was really, really into like, when I was young, R.L. Stein's Fear Street and, you know, the Christopher Pike books. And then as I got a little bit older, um, James Patterson's Kiss the Girls jumps out vividly in my memory. Um, and I read a lot of Dean Coons. So I was really more into the, the suspense aspect of the thriller genre. And then as things progressed, years went by, you know, Brad Thor, still reading a lot of James Patterson, mm-hmm. uh, currently way into Jack Carr. So it, it's just kind of evolved over the years, but you know, still within that wheelhouse. And so did you always uh, wanted to be a writer and, uh, or is that tough that came later? Or? That actually came later. I've been, I've been fiddling around with writing my entire life without ever actually considering myself a writer. Um, like even as a kid, you know, telling little stories in my own little journal, like I think most kids, have their own little world that they lose themselves into with their imagination, you know, and I was even telling stories back then, but those were just for me. It wasn't ever something I thought I would share with the world. Uh, so when I finally put pen to paper again, as a way to tell a story that I intended to share, it was at first, it was one of those things I didn't think I would actually be able to do, but then I started having so much fun with it. I decided I was just going to take the story wherever it went and then as soon as it was finished, I was like, well, why not? Why not try my hand at this whole querying and publishing thing? And I haven't looked back since. Like once I made that decision, it was just game on. What can you tell us about Shadow War and the L. Anderson series? Like uh, what's it about and uh, what inspired it? So the entire series is inspired truthfully by a real world event. So um, look, nothing happened. So this, this isn't a a cautionary tale or anything, but it was one of those instances where my imagination went into overdrive. Uh, I was in a convoy that was going outside of the green zone in Baghdad into what we called the red zone at the time. And we turned down a street that is straight out of the movies. You know, as soon as we, you see it, all the hair on the back of your neck stands on end. Uh, you know, the dark buildings on either side of you, all the windows are, uh, open to the streets, you know, some of them are broken out and you don't know who might be watching you. And as we're going down that road, all I could think of was what if, you know, grab my M4 a little tighter, really kind of edge up in my seat, just ready, just bracing for, you know, what I 
thought was going to be an inevitable ambush, uh, but we made it through. But that what if factor didn't leave me. So that really was the genesis of my story was that scene that just kept playing out in my head of a what if, what if, what if. And eventually I just went ahead and started writing it out and developed characters similar to some of the people I've worked with. Like I took a composite of a lot of the people I've known over the years and thought about, okay, if I were in this situation, uh, if I were able to do whatever I wanted to do, how would I approach that? And that's kind of how I came up with the character of Elle Anderson was my idea in my head of like, if I could do anything I want, this is who I would want to be. Um, here, I, Here's how I would handle the situation. Uh, kind of like how Lee Child equates Jack Reacher is like all the things that he would want to do, you know, but you know, you can't. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, and then I, I ran with it. I started thinking about, okay, how would I, how would I approach this target? Having the Intel background, it was, that was a fun game for me in an imaginary world. How would I, how would I prosecute these targets? What, how would I come up my, with my list? What information would I want to know? And then how would I execute missions? It, sounds it, a was, bit, it was a blast. Yeah. Like I was say, it, sounds a bit, it sounds like a bit cathartic for you because in, the, in your real job, you, there's rules and laws and all that stuff. And then you could like, well, if I could really do what I wanted to do. Absolutely. And, you know, I still joke about it to this day is like people ask me all the time, what's it like? I was like, it's great. You know, I go into the office and if I ever feel like strangling somebody, I can just go home and actually do it on paper and nobody's upset. It's actually entertainment. But yeah, that's that's how it worked for me. Um, I, like a lot of veterans, we all struggle with some sort of not necessarily post-traumatic stress, but stress-related mental health issues. And so through my character going through some trauma, I was able to work through some of my own stress-related issues on the page as well. So that's what I'm talking about, the, the cathartic uh, nature of just being able to you know, let my mind wander and get creative, but at the same time, I can work some stuff out. Yeah, I've interviewed some, uh, some authors who, who are uh, veterans and, and combat veterans, and they, they, they've said that the writing has actually kind of saved them. And I can completely understand where they're coming from, from that, because it is a completely unfettered world that you can throw yourself into. So you can work out your what if scenarios, you can explore different emotions, different thoughts, and you know it can be done through your characters. You know, you can see how your characters would respond, not necessarily how you would respond. And that can be helpful kind of curious too now i have to ask you this is so how much of you is in l anderson <laughs> i've been accused of uh of uh having a lot of me leak through in the pages people who know me very well tell me that they hear me speak during some of the dialogue not necessarily just l's dialogue but the, all the characters they'll hear me come across in the dialogue or in some of the mannerisms and it was unintentional, <laughs> but apparently it's in there. I really did try to separate myself from my characters and really just tried to let the characters speak for themselves. But, you know, I guess every, every creator leaves a little piece of them in their creation. And apparently that's happened to me as well, but it is fictional. It is entirely fictional. Nothing <laughs> in there is real the acts and a lot of the the experiences, the places, you know, the, that has basis in reality, but the story is fictional. And even despite that, I had to go and get it cleared by the Pentagon. You asked earlier if I had to get yeah. it cleared and that absolutely, 
I have to send everything I write to be screened, uh, not just for, you know, inadvertent security classification um, or me inadvertently putting something in there I shouldn't, um, but just to make sure that there's nothing in there that would be uh, viewed as problematic for the Department of Defense. Wow, that's like a that's like a very uh, a different kind of uh, developmental editing, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> it, it is. It, it it's it's a bit of a subjective process. So you'll hear a lot of a lot of the authors who are you know veterans talk about it. How everybody seems to get, have a different experience. So far, I've been very very lucky. Uh, I think that's just because of my background. I'm a little savvier when it comes to writing things for release. Um, and steering clear of things that could be sensitive or classified. And so that yeah, it's made it easier for me, but I can totally understand how everybody has a lot of difficulty going through the process. And it's a little frustrating when you just have to wait for something that you, you know, is good. Yeah. I can just imagine uh, I'm being uh, assuming here, but you know, government moves kind of slow sometimes. So I must be a little, <laughs> a little impatient for you to wait. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, it, they don't give you timelines. So, hey, we received it. Here's your case number and we'll be back in touch. And then it's nothing. Crickets. It, I think it's probably, the, you know, it, it's akin to a lot of what a lot of people experience when they're querying for the first mm-hmm. time. Like you send, you send your, your creative works out into the world and then you just sit back with your fingers crossed and hope in silence. <laughs> so you get to do it again with the with the government. <laughs> yeah. And about 80% of the queries you never he- even hear back from ever. So. <laughs> yep. They just disappeared into the abyss. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I was kind of curious, well, after you retire, is that, is that done or is it, do you have to, is there like a, a, a period after retirement that you still have to deal with that or is it over once you're done? No, there's everybody who gets out generally. Well, anybody who retires generally is put into like an inactive reserve position until mm. they hit 30 years. And then at 30 years, then you're officially retired, but it, it would have to take something pretty severe for them to call me back out of retirement. Mm. So we're, I'm really hoping that doesn't happen, but it's, you know, yeah, it is what be, it is. Yeah. Cause that would be real <laughs> bad news if it, if it was something happened like that. <laughs> yep. Yeah. It'd probably be a bad day for many, many, many people, yeah. but you know, in theory, you know, once I get out, um, say both my husband and I are active duty and we're both retiring at the same time, uh, we're going to move on to the next chapter of our lives. And hopefully mine will revolve heavily around writing. But if not, I, I'm thinking about working in a bookstore. So again, still not involving writing, but just surrounding myself with books, just because at this point in my life, I think I'm ready to let go of some of the life or death consequence responsibilities and just enjoy, enjoy my occupation, enjoy my life. I can't think of anything better than being surrounded by books and, you know, having to talk about books all day. I could live with that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's, <laughs> it, yeah. And quite a, a, a nice change of pace for you after 20 plus years of, <laughs> yeah. of active duty. You can just imagine. <laughs> yeah. It, it's, it, it, don't get me wrong. It's been great. Mm-hmm. I never really thought I would do a career of it, but it has been great. It's just, I think everybody knows when it's time to move on and it it's time. And so I'm quite curious enough, obviously with your background and, your, you know, a lot about the world that you're writing in, but do you still find yourself like doing a lot of research for your books before you start to write them? What's, what's your research process like? I say my research process usually goes into when... Well, truthfully, when either my story goes in a direction that I didn't anticipate or my character, like 
would react differently than I anticipate. And it, I that sounds a little odd and I know it's a hard concept for people to understand, but once I stopped trying to force my characters to go into a direction, writing became a lot more fun. And the stories, I think, took on a life of their own, literally, where I was just putting myself into the character's shoes. What would this character do? And then because of my character's either background or thought processes, I found myself doing research then. Like, oh, my second in command to Al is an ex-Army Ranger, which I have some experience with Rangers, but I never was one. Um, So having to try to view things from his perspective. Um, Same thing, you know, um, another team member is really, really fantastic with everything that is technical. And for me, I'm two steps shy of a Luddite. If I touch my computer wrong, it just, everything falls apart. So I have to do a little research there too, just to make sure I try to hit the right notes to make each character, you know, flesh out a little bit better. And and what's your writing process like? Do you outline or do you like write by the seat of your pants? (laughs) I'm a little bit of both. So I'm probably more of a pantser than most, but I do still have a general outline. So like I said, you know, I I came up with a target list. I came up with my ideas. I write things down as a, a framework, basically. And then I just let myself play within the framework. And so I'll keep, you know, key details, they'll keep tabs of just that. So that way I make sure I have some continuity throughout. But for the most part, I came up with the general, here's my target list and here's how I want to attack it. And then I, I've been enjoying that ride along with my characters as I figure out how I'm taking out the, the target list. It, it, it's been a blast. And do you set goals when you're writing, a, uh, working on a project? I know it's kind of hard with uh, with your with your day job, but uh, do you uh, like have word count goals? Or oh man, I've tried. What I've eventually settled on, and I have a literary manager, and he told me once, "A little on a little is a lot," and that has stuck with me. And I've tried to just do something, even if it's only write one sentence or you know just update one thing tried to do something every day and give myself a little bit of a break because as much as I would love to say I could sit down and write, you know, a thousand, two thousand words a day, like some authors do, you're right. I have a full-time job. Um, I have two children and it's, it's a little complicated to try to devote as much time as I would like to do my craft. So at this point, I just have to do whatever I can, whenever I can. Well, it's working out pretty well though, right? Because you have three books so far in the series. <laughs> so it's working. <laughs> well, it also helps that I really don't sleep. So <laughs> oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> so, you know, when the insomnia takes over, you just can't fall back asleep. And, you know, chances are you'll find me grabbing my laptop. So <laughs> <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you too. Do you, do you usually try to write in the same place? But if you're, you're, you're just, stealing moments here and there probably whenever the you can right a- yep that's pretty it, it was when i was writing my first book um i started it actually while i was on a deployment so i did have a spot that i like to go to and sit and i would just drink coffee and just put in some headphones and go and that's still my ideal if i can have a coffee and just put in my headphones and just go and have nobody bother me it's perfect but life tends to be less than um cooperative when it comes to doing things like that. So it really is like, I'll take my daughter gymnastics and I'll take my laptop with me and just try to jam out whatever I can while she's in gymnastics. Or, you know, like, like I said, when I can't sleep, I'll try to see what I can work out. (laughs) (laughs) And what what do you use to write your books? Do you use like, like you you say, use your laptop, use like word or some other writing program? Uh, I use word. Mm -hmm. And then I, a couple years ago, I discovered Grammarly, which Mm -hmm 
has been caught significant benefit to me. Uh, my editor is amazing, but she's also the devil. And so <laughs> anything that I can do to keep her from making me feel like I'm a complete idiot <laughs> before I hand it to her is good. So Grammarly has spared me some of the, you know, proverbial red ink <laughs> with her. So I continue to use that as well. Yeah, that's a, that's a great program to be able to try to send the cleanest manuscript po- possible to the <laughs> editor. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I've learned so much from her and she's been phenomenal. Um, but yeah, it's like it, it is a every time I think I was like, this is the best I could do. This is amazing. And then she comes back. She's like, yeah, you could do better. Like, oh, you just you, know, you, you, get, you take the punch in the gut. Like, OK, all right. Yep. All right. Back to it. <laughs> Yeah, so you're like um, looking at the at, at the email from the editor, and you're like, "Oh no!" You, when you when you first get that manuscript back, you get those butterflies in your stomach. <laughs> every single time, every yeah. single uh, you think you get used to it, but every single time, I'm like, oh, "Did she like it?" And usually, there's she's great with the positive reinforcement. She'll start out with something really fantastic, like this was amazing, but yeah, the but ah, here it is. <laughs> oh, brace for shock! All right, <laughs> um, but the the bright side is she she doesn't just say this sucks and fix it. It's a, Hey, I didn't get this because, or this didn't make sense because she'll, you know, give me her perspective on it, which is really great for me because then I take a look at it more with the analytical mind. Like, okay, if this person who is a civilian did not understand this, or this person didn't quite get what I was trying to get from the sequence, then I can use that as a data point to go back and kind of shape things to make sure that I'm reaching a broader base of readers instead of just, you know, military has its own jargon. You know, I could go and talk acronyms forever. And then we, we would still confuse each other because we got 50 different acronym uh, meanings for each acronym, but, you know, similar background people would understand things differently than somebody who does not have the same background. So I find all of her feedback extremely valuable, even if it hurts. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Necessary, painful, but necessary process. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I also saw your website though. I was checking your, your website before, uh, before a call and, uh, uh, you have like a graphic novel version of Shadow Game that's out, or is it coming out? Yes. Can, you, can you tell us yep. about that project? I mean, that's kind of cool. Oh, it was it was in a very ambitious project, and um, twenty twenty hindsight, oh, um, you, you definitely need to know what you're getting into before you <laughs> you go and switch mediums. <laughs> So I, I'm a nerd. I, I speak nerd in multiple languages and, you know, comics is just one facet, you know, that I'm not as well versed as I would like to be, but I've always been fascinated with it. So um, in my head, Shadow Game had a lot of really great visual potential. I was thinking film, TV, but then um, I went to a Comic-Con and just like, man, I, I could do this. I, I think I could turn my my book into this. So I shopped around online I uh, for an artist, a graphic artist who was willing to take on the project with me, ended up auditioning a few people. And Ray Lopez was the one who did the concept art that I love the most. So we partnered up and it was also a first time project for him. So it was, we were both learning mm. as we went along and mistakes were made as I found out, but eventually we got into a really good rhythm. Like he had really great instincts. He'd read the book and liked it. We saw, we had a lot of the same viewpoints on things. What I ended up having to do though, was as the, the author and the writer was go through and cut a significant amount of the book and just kind of shape scenes, almost like I was directing for an actual movie. Like, Mm -hmm. Hey, the scene 
we're going to have this type of thing. Here's going to be the dialogue, this scene, this type of thing. Here's the dialogue. And, but then I would let him take it from a creative thing. Like I might say, Hey, we need to have them get into a car. He could have, you know, whatever angles he wanted, however he wanted it to happen. Um, he can make the transitions look however he wanted. And he was very receptive to any feedback I had. So it ended up being a phenomenal collaborative event, but it took significantly longer than either of us were anticipating going through the process of trying to figure out how to independently publish a graphic novel Mm -hmm. is another hurdle to leap. Um, Trying to figure out something that someplace would have the right color scheme just to be able to get it printed off. And so it doesn't look completely muddied. So eventually we got there. Um, but what I'm intending to do with it is keep it as a limited run edition and I, I'm going to quarry it just like you would quarry a book. So right now, uh, my manager, fingers crossed, is you know working a couple of angles to see if we can't get one of the major comic companies to pick it up because then I can actually hand them a product. So like here's all the digitals and here's what it could potentially look like, but then they can manipulate, we could tweak as they see fit. So they're getting a product that's essentially complete. Um, they would just need to put whatever love or spin they need onto it to make it, you know, their own or, you know, part of the brand. And I'm hoping that it will be a lot more attractive that, and it's something that we could hand potentially to anybody in the future, you know, and say, Hey, here's a, here's, here's like a storyboard of what the, a TV show or a movie could look like. So we've actually plotted out, here's some action for you visually. So you can see what potentially we could make with this, like the right director, the right cast, it could be fantastic. But yeah, that sounds really, really cool. <laughs> I got lucky. Ray was yeah. fantastic, but it it is definitely not a simple process. Yeah. And you know, for <laughs> anybody who wants to try it, look up how to do a script <laughs> or a graphic novel or a comic. Um, and then talk to somebody who's really smart in the business. So that way, you know how you want to break it down. Because those were all things I was learning as we were already in it. So it was the learning curve was straight up. Yeah, that's fascinating too. Because what you mentioned is like it's kind of like having to write a screenplay of of, of your novel because you have to cut all that stuff out. And... Mm-hmm. and say, and then you can't make it. The the flip side of that is on the graphic novel, you don't want to go too much in the dialogue. So mm. a lot of times, you know, it both are very very visual, but you're going to have a lot more dialogue in a movie mostly than you are in a comic book because you don't want just pages and pages and pages of words. It has to be more visual than anything else. So that made it difficult to try to figure out how do I transition? What's key? What, how do we use things that are purely visual? So a lot of like the subtext, some of the side storylines had to get cut just because it didn't translate as well. Not to mention, you have to worry about the length. And so what are you working on now? uh, uh, Novel wise, are you working on the next L Anderson or something else? I am, I'm staying in the same world. But I, I am working on a book four, um, but it is going to be a different storyline. So it's not going to be the same. Elle is not going to be the central protagonist anymore. She will be in the books, but uh, I'm I'm picking up a different protagonist. Oh, cool! Is someone that's already appeared in the other, in the first yep. three books? Yeah. Oh, nice. Yes. Yeah. It is somebody. So I yeah I'm switching heads. Uh, I will have a new central protagonist, and you know the rest of the cast is still going to be there. It's just going to be a different story, um, and a probably much different feel. Before I let you go, I always like to ask my guests because uh, we have aspiring writers that listen to this. Uh, any advice you would have for an aspiring uh, uh, thriller writer that's listening? <laughs> So the thing that comes up the most, and I think everybody gets asked the question is, you know, how do you deal with 
you know, writer's block or just not being able to get your story out there. And, and it's a hard concept to really kind of wrap your head around, but just write. It's like mm-hmm. whatever is in your head at that exact moment, even if it, you're halfway through what would probably be a scene or, you know, all you have is one line that just keeps bouncing around in your head, just write. You can always go back. And as a matter of fact, you will. You will rewrite and edit about 50 million times and so much to the point where you're like, God, am I ever going to get finished with this? But that'll give you an opportunity to flesh things out more, but you can't rewrite or edit something that's not on the page. So just wherever's in your head that you just keep thinking about, start there, like bounce around. It's your, it's your world. Make it as you will. Yeah, that's awesome advice. And so uh, before I let you go, uh, where can uh, listeners find you online? I have, as you mentioned, my re- my website. So it's amadare.com. And then I'm also on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and yeah, LinkedIn. Unfortunately, I got sucked into that one too. <laughs> <laughs> um, social media is hard for me, but I, I am trying to <laughs> be more, uh, embrace it more. <laughs> yeah, especially with that intelligence background of yours. That's probably like, and this is everything you've been doing for the last 20 years. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head. It's like every time I publish something, I actually feel nauseous. I have to read it like 500 times. Like, do I really want to do this? Like, yeah. that always cracks me up too. I was like, oh, you know, for you, growing up, you know, it was like, oh, the, the government's out to spy on you. And, and, you know, of course it happens and stuff, but Everyone's so paranoid about that, but then for Zuckerberg, everyone's like, everyone gives him the whole keys to the kingdom. Here you go, take everything. Take everything. <laughs> yep, e- everything I post, I'm just like, oh. Okay. <laughs> but, uh, it's it's a necessary for the marketing part of the business. So, and, <laughs> no, and that's no the way part I'm, it. Yeah, that's the part <laughs> I'm trying to accept, but it's still difficult for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, Eva, I want to thank you so much uh, for uh, coming on the podcast. It was uh, uh, great talking to you about uh, about your, uh, your your career and your books. Uh, it was a lot of fun. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for listening to Meet the Thriller Author. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with one of your favorite writers of mysteries and thrillers. Or if this episode's guest is new to you, I hope you give their books a chance. Helping listeners discover new authors and books is one of the coolest outcomes of doing this podcast. As always, you can head over to thrillerauthors.com to sign up to my Thrilling Reads email list. That way you won't miss out on any great deals in thriller and mystery books. You can also check out all the links and resources in the show notes for this episode over at thrillerauthors.com. And also please do subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done so already and leave a rating and review wherever it is that you're listening to this show. If you have done that already, I thank you. I really do appreciate your support. For my other links to my author website, social media haunts, and more uh, check out thrillingreads.com forward slash links all my links will be uh, on that uh, page so that's it for this episode Uh, see you next time and stay safe out there